The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Jesus said to the disciples, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward, but when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We live under the illusion of permanence. We need that illusion to stay sane. So I'm not being critical or cynical. It's just the nature of life that so many of our associations are temporary. Living in a highly mobile society only exasperates this reality as uh, people are free to come and go, and they often do. The breakdown of civic mainstays like, of course, the church, uh, bowling leagues, fraternal organizations, book clubs, sewing circles, etc., etc., compounds the lost of permanence as well. What I mean in particular is the reality that all throughout life, people will come and go. You see it participating, for example, in youth baseball. As we move from team to team, getting to know people, cheering on certain players, and then poof, just like that, we're on another team and starting it all over again. Classmates in school, uh, our, our brief associations, or our friendships with uh, your children's parents, our brief associations. Church members, as much as I hate to say it, come and go. Every time I have to do an annual report, I'm reminded of that reality. Club members, or even the existence of clubs at all, they come and go. Even family members come and go. Indeed, the longest sustained period of social cohesion is undoubtedly the immediate family unit 
who, if they're lucky, might have 20 or 25 years of relative stability before the children grow up and move out and then they start families of their own. We're creatures of habit, so hopefully uh, these changes take place slowly. That is how we maintain this illusion of permanence. Every day we wake up and today's a lot like yesterday and we're pretty sure that tomorrow's going to be a lot like today, so we think, oh, I see, things are not changing. But in fact, they are. And if we can take a 30,000-foot view of our lives, how many people have come and gone, we see just how temporary most of our social arrangements are. And I don't think any of that is a good thing. But I'm not sure that I would take back any of the advances that led to this kind of social change either. For example, the vast majority of people throughout history would have lived in the same village, worked the same job, and been a lot less traveled and educated because there was no car or airplane or electricity or internet. So I could have a lot more permanence. For example, the same village kids play the same sport on the same team for a decade rather than just a season if I gave up, say, the internal combustion engine. But as I'm not willing to do that, not that I have much say in it anyway, this constant change and the death of the illusion of permanence is the price that must be paid. But why does a lack of permanence really bother me in the first place? Is it just because I'm a creature of habit? Well, I think there's more to it than that. We were made for permanence. All of this change is a result of our fall into sin. It is us scurrying to keep everything together, to keep things moving. God's offer to us was the Garden of Eden, an idyllic paradise uh, where Adam and Eve had everything that they needed and most of what they wanted. They wanted to be like God, so I can't say that they had everything they wanted, but they shouldn't have wanted that to begin with. But it could have stayed that way forever. That could have been the ongoing reality. And indeed, it may have been that way for centuries. The Bible doesn't actually say how long they were in the garden before they fell into sin. But once they did fall into sin, any hope of permanence was lost. Death now was the ever-present reality of man, as was sin. Man would now have to grapple with avarice and lust and greed and contempt. Nothing could be guaranteed for very long in such a world. Even the best government or the kindest king has only ever been able to secure peace for a few years or a few decades So dependable, reliable permanence was up in the air. Even if you lived honorably, as, say, Noah did or Job did, the presence of sin could still bring hardship and destruction into your world. And while it is not constant calamity like Noah or Job had to deal with, that we have to deal with, it is definitely constant change. 
Change that serves as a reminder that we will never be at peace until we are with God. For God does not change. His kingdom is everlasting. When we die or in heaven, I think anything out of the ordinary there, if such a thing can be imagined, will be amusing or interesting, not stressful or disconcerting as it often is for us now. So we were designed for permanence. We have very little of it now, but one day it will be ours. It will only cost you your life on earth. But don't worry, you're only dust, and to dust you shall return. That is when the nature of these temporary lives will change into something far more permanent. In the meantime, there is much that Christian ethics can offer us to know more permanence now. Civic involvement, long-term church membership definitely offer us a foundational peace. Our relationship to our stuff can help us as well. That is, having a relatively low view of money and things helps us not to become too attached to temporary things. Caring more about what God thinks of us than what other people think of us, well, that will help as well. We strive to have a faithful long-term relationship with God more than people who come and go. And these are all part of Jesus' ethical teaching that we heard tonight. In sum, focus on that which honors God, not builds up short-term earthly acclaim. Do not seek to amass an earthly following. Think less of earthly things and you will have a more permanent mindset. The more you only focus on this temporary life, the less peace you can have, as you will constantly be at war with your desire for permanence and the dying illusion of it this side of heaven. The discomfort we feel in this midst of change, it's a good thing. It means that we are longing for the perfection that we once enjoyed, and one day we will again. It proves that we still have souls full of faith that rage against the sin and death in this world that makes everything so hard. But even in death, God is the victor. For through that worst of all events, the thing that we desire the most, peace, joy, permanence, will finally be ours. Amen.